We are now joined by senior writer for Golf Channel, Ryan Lavner. Ryan, I take it you're in the car driving back from Augusta? Yeah, it's about a six-hour drive from Augusta, Georgia to my home in Orlando, Florida. So still buzzing from, from what was a really good week at Augusta. Totally. What, what's your opening thoughts about what happened this weekend and what it means for DJ and his career? Yeah, I mean, there's just so much to to unpack from from this year's Masters, from the from the ten that Tiger made to Bryson not living up to the expectations that we all had for him. But uh, I don't think you can find a more deserving winner than Dustin Johnson. It's the first time since 2002 that the number one ranked player in the world won the Masters, and I don't think there's been any doubt over the past couple months that this is this is the best player in golf, and that when he's cooking like he was. Last week at the Masters, everyone else is playing for second. I think there was the only little bit of drama was was whether DJ and his 54-hole record could stand up on a, on a day when you knew that a couple of guys were going to make runs at him. Um, but for him to, to close with 68 and to set the 72-hole scoring record at Augusta National, the first time ever that it's been played in November, I thought it was a, a really resounding statement for Dustin Johnson, and he showed that you know, at, at the age of 36, which is a lot older than a lot of these guys that we, we talk about now on the PGA Tour, um, he's still got plenty of good years left ahead of him. Did you feel like DJ needed this, close this out for his career? Because you look at the other storyline, if he had, you know, he bogeys four and five, let's say he makes a couple more mistakes and someone like Smith, you know, doesn't bogey 11, birdies 13, 14, you know, and closes the gap, ends up winning another blown lead for DJ. The storyline completely flips. And now you're still talking about how DJ can't get it done. Whereas now you're looking at it as, okay, now DJ has a master's, he has a US Open, and we can start comparing him to the all time greats. Yeah, I thought if he lost, if he if he lost the master's yesterday, it would have been absolutely crushing he's he's proved to be historically resilient in his career that's kind of what i wrote last night for for golf channel i mean this guy is colossally talented i mean you just look at him he's an absolute physical marvel i mean no one in the game's long history has ever blown their first four 54 hole leads in a major no one no one has done that right. and dunson johnson did that and so to enter the final round with a four shot lead and then that that lead was down to one by the time he walked off the fifth green there was certainly a sense of oh here we go again and the shot of the tournament without a doubt was his eight iron that he hit into six to, to eight feet him pouring in that putt sung jam making bogey that, that was the tournament right there his, his pursuers never got closer than two shots the rest of the day and that was the, the shot that kind of settled his nerves and allowed him to play with with the freedom and the confidence that we've seen his entire career. Do you think it's surprising that he picked up right where he left off as he came down with COVID? Um, a little bit. So th this was a situation where he had to quarantine for 11 days, and it actually it actually zapped him pretty good. Like, I was talking to his swing coach yesterday. Dustin wasn't moving well at all uh, the prior week in Houston for his one and only tune-up event. And on Thursday night, after the, after the first round, they had a rain session, but they just wanted to get his body moving. So they, they literally swung as hard as he could with a wedge, with an eight iron, and then with a driver just to kind of free him up. And, and that's all it took. Like when you have a mega talent like him, he's just got to, he's just got to sometimes have something as small as just getting his body loose. And he, he wound up ripping off a couple of 66s and a 65 finished second last week in Houston. And then I think everyone knew, Heading into the Masters, this is a, a tournament that he's played really well over his last four appearances, top tens in all of them, had a chance to win in 2019 before Tiger won it. And so, um, you, you know, it's just 
it's just a small thing. It's it doesn't take him doesn't take him very long. You know, he's been playing golf a long time. Is he's got the same shot pattern over and over again. Um, once he clicked after that rain session on Thursday night, it, it was it was over. I think what's what people are failing to note, you know, amongst the whole scoring record is the fact that this golf course was really soft and it's incredibly difficult to separate yourself from the field on a really, really soft golf course. And DJ blew everybody out of the water. Yeah. I mean, it, there's already been some, some chatter. We, a couple of our golf channel people were, were at the bar last night. We were talking and um, Randall Chambly actually mentioned that uh, this, if this masters is going to have an asterisk on it, because a, no patrons certainly made it easier for, for DJ and the final others. Without a doubt, it was easier for him to win this Masters than without having tens of thousands of fans. You might make the case that hey, he, they could they could bring him along, but they would also get super jazz watching Rory make a run and Cam Smith make a run, Sung Jae making a run, Justin Thomas um, before the final round. It, it just it just would have been more difficult. But but you but you bring up a good point in that it was so soft. And the mix of Bermuda and rye around the greens made chipping a whole lot easier than it's ever been. Chipping out a rye during the during the spring is is pretty straightforward, but it's also cut down really low, and it kind of determines what type of shots you're going to play. These guys were hitting shots that we've never seen before, like these little soft pitches around the green, putting tons of spin on it. Um, that certainly made it a little bit easier. And I was actually really surprised. Like, they didn't get a ton of rain. Like, they, they only got an inch of rain. And it was on Thursday morning. And that course right. on Sunday afternoon, it, it was still receiving shots. Guys were still spinning back mid-irons into the yeah. greens. That was really surprising to me. So I think it kind of debunked the myth of the sub-air system as well. Like, it's it sucks the moisture off the greens if, if there's an absolute deluge. But, like, you, you don't magically transform the golf course from soaking wet to fiery and fast like we like, we like to see it in April. Yeah, sub air just gets a, a really wet course to playable condition. It doesn't make a soft course firm. Exactly. And like that that was actually the really surprising thing to me. I'm, I'm sure it had something to do with the climate and the, the growing period that they've had, um, which has been a pretty unseasonably warm fall in Augusta. It was really humid last week, um, which which didn't help in terms of trying to get the course as, as firm as possible. But that was really a thing to me. I, I would have figured that without rain over the last four days, it it would have played differently over the weekend and it just didn't. I mean, you had, you had great scoring. That's nothing to take away from DJ. I, I think he probably still would have won even if it was firm and fast, but um, the, the golf course certainly played differently than I think a lot of people were anticipating. Now, Ryan, I, I got to ask you, what do you say to Brandel when he says something like DJ's third round was the greatest major performance of all time? Is that what he said? I think he said something along the lines of this is one of the greatest statistical rounds in major championship history. Statistically, it was like it statistically we're looking at a top five, top 10 round ever in the majors. Um, now we have to couch that with, with what we just talked about in the, the, the golf course um, playing a little bit more benign and, and docile than, than we were all anticipating but he's still the only one who did it. I mean, he's, he's still the only one who shot a bogey 365 in order to, to tie the 54 hole scoring record and to set himself up with a four shot lead for the final round. Statistically. Yeah, he, he is right. Um, I think when you take into context, the, the scenario, the circumstances um, that I think we'll, we'll, we'll look 
back on it less as a historic round and more as a as a really impressive round and and certainly the the round that that won him the Masters. So moving on to, I'd like to talk about Rory a little bit. He's kind of had so many of these fake Sunday charges. And he's just too far back. And he, I was listening to him in his in his press conference on Sunday, and he was talking about how he loses 10 to 15 pounds every Masters week because he's so stressed out. And it just seems like Augusta's gotten in his head to where he's, he's shot himself in the foot on Thursday and can't recover. The 75 that he threw up on Thursday – was just disgusting. Like there was just no rhyme or reason. <laughs> and I, I know, I know he hasn't been playing great since since the since the restart this summer. But like he's coming off making twenty nine birdies at, at Sherwood just a couple of weeks ago. He was absolutely striping it in the practice round. I watched him rip off five or six birdies in a row during his Wednesday practice round. Like he was he was absolutely on fire. And then he gets on Thursday at the Masters, and he just he just totally psychs himself out. There's a stat floating around on Twitter. Like his his um, score in relation to par in the Masters since 2015. Obviously, he hasn't won one since the since the PJ in 2014. Since 2015, it's like 150 shots difference. His round one score in relation to par versus rounds two through four. Like that is a statistical proof oh, right. of a guy who's putting too much pressure on himself. And personally, as a as a sports writer, it's eye opening to me when he talks about that he's putting too much pressure on himself. Like you. Like, just figure it out, man. Like, right. you're a professional athlete. You're, you've been number one in the world for, I think, the third most weeks all time. You've won four majors. You've done everything in the game. Like, go see a sports psychologist. Like, go on a bender early week. Like, I don't, I don't know. There needs to be some way for him to alleviate the stress and the pressure that he's feeling because he, he just can't figure it out. I saw a tweet that's, that he said that, uh, that he should bring Wade Boggs on his private chat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at, at this point, he's he's got to try something. It's like that's what I always say about Jordan Spieth. Like, what's the definition of insanity? It's that's what Jordan Spieth has been doing for the last three years. Just try something new. new yeah, he's doing coach. the same thing over and over again. New caddy, like just do something. And I and I feel the same way about Rory and his major performance. I like last year, he he blew up at Portrush, and that was after what I actually thought he had a good start at, at Pebble Beach. He shot I think two under in the first round. And that was just kind of what he needed because it has been – you can count on one hand a number of times that he's opened with a good round since 2015 in the majors. And it's the only reason why he has not won since then. His first I, round performance is the only reason he has not won a major since. Ryan, I think you make a great point there. It's like when's the last time that after the first round you said to yourself, Rory can realistically win this thing? Yeah, like – Pebble, Pebble last year, I, I really thought was going to be a turning point. You can, you guys can look it up. I'm, I'm fairly certain he shot two under in the first round, and I thought that was it. But he, you know, he didn't play great the rest of the round. He said the, the opening round was kind of smoke and mirrors. But like, at least he had a chance. Like, at least, at right. least he, he didn't, he didn't know that he'd go out on Friday and and shoot a 65 or a 66 just to try and make the cut, which is, which is what he's been doing. Like, he's just. I know he's more comfortable in that chaser position. I think a lot of great players are, um, but you just can't start ten shots back when you begin the second round. You can't do you're, that. You're not. You're not going to win. There's. You can count on one hand the number of people in golf history, major championship history, who have overcome that type of deficit heading into the second round. It's just he's just putting too much pressure on himself heading to the opening gate. I'd love to just see him do what tiger does when tiger was in his heyday he he would shoot 70 
69, get into the flow of the tournament, and then turn on the Jets from there. Right. Is the, mas- is the Masters to Rory what the U.S. Open is to Phil now at this point? Um, I mean, Rory's still got better chances. Like, I, I still think Rory's going to have five to seven good good chances. Phil Phil hasn't had a, a good chance really since since Marion um, yeah. when, it, when it comes to the U.S. Open. And Phil, I'm not sure necessarily was psychological um a lot of times he just got beat by tiger or a guy who had a hell of a week like there was there was only a, a couple instances where phil really imploded um marion missing the green with a couple wedges on the back nine comes to mind obviously winged foot even though he wasn't really playing well that week um you can make the argument that when shinnecock got out of hand he couldn't um hold his own on the greens Rory, with the exception of 2011, obviously, um, when he had the meltdown. And then I think the Patrick Reed year, 2018, I think it was. Yeah, yeah 2018. That felt like, big. Hitting, yeah. hitting, hitting that T-ball hitting that almost off the property on number one. One of the greatest toe shanks of all time. Like, that was emblematic of Rory's Masters career. And, and it was that at that moment where I thought, hmm, maybe – Maybe he actually isn't going to win one. Like, like, like this tournament is tailor made for his skill set. Um, you'd think he'd win not just one, but but two or three in his career. But but that shot and what we've seen since gives me a little bit of pause, thinking that that maybe it's not preordained that he actually is going to win uh, a green jacket. So Ryan, what else did you notice? Were you watching at Augusta on Sunday? Yeah. Yeah. Did you see any uh, shots that stuck out to you and players doing some things that just that you saw in person that might may have looked different on TV? Um, so I, I so I, I walked with DJ's back nine just for the story I had to write. I had to get some color color for it, and I thought like his up and down on eleven was super underrated. That was a, a shot that if he hits a little bit too hard, it's going to run all the way into the creek. And um, like we talked about, him being able to put spin on that shot was was a game changer and I thought he he judged that that really well. I also think his third shot on 15 after he decided to lay up, that was not an easy that was not an easy shot. Uh, it was a down slope with a sand wedge with a lie that was kind of soggy and muddy. Um, and if if he spins that too much, he's gonna rip it off the front of the green and and back into the creek. And for him to, to stuff that in there to to five feet and and make birdie and give himself a little bit extra cushion was 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 really impressive. Um, it it was kind of surreal because if, if you guys have you guys been to Augusta National to watch the Masters in person? Unfortunately, not. Have not. Okay, this might be sacrilegious to people who are listening to this. The Masters is not a good viewing experience. Like the plan that you should just have is you park a chair there, you sit there for an hour, and then you go someplace else. Like that's that's kind of ha- how you have to do it. Like watching right. Tiger last year was a royal pain in the ass. But this year, selfishly, <laughs> selfishly, this was like the most incredible viewing experience. I'll, I'll remember this Masters for as long as I live because I could see every shot. There was times on Thursday and Friday when I was watching, watching Bryson's round, I was like one of the only people on the golf course, like basically standing on the tee box, basically standing on the green, standing right on the edge of the, of the fairway. I mean, normally we're, we're inside the ropes and they didn't even have any. At Augusta, it, it just felt so voyeuristic and just an incredible viewing experience. But I couldn't help but feel like something was missing. 
there just wasn't the same buzz and energy and excitement that having tens of thousands of people on the grounds just naturally delivers. I am curious as, as viewers, did you guys notice that? Like, did you guys, did it just seem like any other tournament at this incredible golf course? Um, in a way, a little bit, I think heading into Sunday, it didn't feel as hype because of, because the result almost felt preordained. It almost seemed like a bit of a procession. But going into the week, I think there was a little bit of burnout just because there has been so much golf ever since June. Yeah, I think that's that's certainly fair. And and, and look, I, players can can psych themselves up, and they've got they've got ways to do it. But it just even even that like they they just didn't seem as excited. Like they didn't. There wasn't the same type of nerves on the first tee. Like yeah, you you know that millions of people are watching you. But if it's only fifty of us standing around the tee, like it's just. It's just different. It just feels like a really special practice round. And so, um, unfortunately, talking to a couple folks yesterday at Augusta, like I'm not sure it's going to be all that much different in five months when the when the Masters returns to Augusta. I think there's a there's a pretty good possibility that that we can see maybe maybe five thousand fans on site. Wow! But if you watch if you watch the golf tournament a couple of weeks ago in Houston, there was two thousand fans on site there, and like. It, it wasn't anything special. Like you, you, you barely would have noticed that you were even there. So I, I think we're we're probably in store for another pretty quiet Masters here when they when it comes around in five months because they're going to have to make this decision here by February one at the latest about about what they want to do. And it's hard to imagine that the country is going to be um, in a better position than it is right now heading into the winter. So when you're when you're walking the property and and following on Sunday, how are you? keeping track of where the lead's at. I mean, I know there are leaderboards around, but I guess you didn't really see many other shots besides DJ's group on Sunday. Yeah. Like you're, I was super committed. You, you're, if you go and follow a group, like you're, you're in the blind. Gotcha. And that's why, that's why a lot of golf writers, <clears throat> they'll sit in the media building during the final round, just because if it's a super bunch leaderboard, you, you just, you can't have the viewer know more than you do. And if you're out there with, with DJ, you have no idea what Cam Smith is doing, although he's in the, he was in the prior group. So um, it was kind of easy to, to bounce back and forth. But, like, I had no idea that Tiger made a 10 on number 12. <laughs> and the funny, funny story, the, the only way that I found out was Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning is an Augusta national member. He was walking around with his cell phone, and he came up to me and said, holy shit, did you see what Tiger did? <laughs> and, I, and, and I said, no, he, goes, he, he, looks, he made a 10. And so like during a commercial break, I went to Dottie Pepper and she like broke down how he, how he made it. But, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the, that is the issue with, with covering a master's. I, I'm not allowed to have my cell phone out there. Um, it's a, obviously a pretty vast property. And so you, you can't just bounce real quickly from, from 10 to 14. Um, it's going to take time. There's not a leaderboard on every single hole. So you're, kind of guessing and everyone just kind of stands there and scans it together at the same time. And, and this matches in particular without having the roars or the cheers, which everyone knows what a, a Eagle cheer, a, a birdie cheer, a, a bogey groan, like everyone knows what that sounds like. And you can probably even predict who it's coming from. You, you, you didn't have that. And so it was, it was really kind of weird of, of these guys just playing in a bubble. And I think that's why DJ said he didn't even look at a leaderboard after the seventh hole. Like he just figured if he shot 68, he was going to win. And, and he ended up doing it by, by five, 
but it was just it was just so silent that it was it was easier for the guys to stay in their own arena and it was but it's you know it's certainly kind of challenging for for someone like me hey so you mentioned cam smith earlier and i think it's a good time to talk about the the contenders do you think are you surprised that with the course being so soft, it let in some of these shorter guys, kind of like Cam Smith, Abe Answer, even Sungjae? He doesn't bomb the ball either. I was I was actually really surprised. Like when I saw the forecast, I thought this is it's going to be one of like eight guys. And DJ is obviously on that short list, but but John Rom, Brooks, Matt Wolf, Bryson, um, guys who have if not leading the tour in carry distance, like I thought that they would, you know, be certainly up, up there in that statistic. I thought that was going to be one of the most important statistics, but I think with the way and how receptive and soft that the greens were, that's what allowed everyone in because yeah, Abe answer has given up 30 yards to Dustin Johnson and DJ's hitting a nine iron at the green when Abe answer is hitting a six or seven iron, but the greens were so soft that Abe answer was still able to, to hit a six or seven iron. And, and hold the top shelves on some of these really treacherous greens. So I think that was kind of the, the equalizer. And as it always is at Augusta, it became a, a ball striking contest and whose iron play was, was going to be the best. And, and the fact that DJ hit 60 greens when the usual number is somewhere between 55 and 57, like that's the kind of the magic number at the Masters. The fact that he hit 60 and that Abe, Sung Jay, and Cam Smith were all knocking down flags for the entirety of the week with with a little bit longer clubs wasn't all that surprising. Like I thought, I, I thought it was certainly going to be a, a just an absolute bomb fest with some of those guys, and it, and it didn't just because the greens didn't didn't allow it to be. Like it wasn't that big of an advantage. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was a little surprising that. With the Bermuda and it being wet, that can be really treacherous, especially in and around the greens. But it allowed some of these short game wizards to to really show out, kind of like Cam Smith did, especially yesterday, and Answer, who is notorious for having these crazy shots in the bag. The guy who really stood out to me is was Sungjae. Some of the shots that he hit, the shot on 15 where he, he blew it way over the green, like it had absolutely zero green to work with. And the fact that he was able to bump that in the hill, spin it, and basically have a three to five footer um, for birdie was, was shocking to me. And so it was, there was a little bit more cushion. I, I know it's a little bit dicier when you have the Bermuda mixed with the ryegrass, but like they, they, it wasn't cut quite as low. And so guys could use the balance on the lob wedge, which they, during the, during the April masters, like you just can't do, like you just see a lot of, of bump and runs because it's, you have a, a great threat to, to skull it when it's, when it's cut that tight. And so they weren't able to do that. And, and just in the lead up to the Masters, it was just so warm and so humid that they either chose not to mow it as short as possible or the agronomic conditions just, just didn't allow it to. Being out there, did the course look a little patchy? Because it really looked like on TV with the Bermuda growing in that, you know, the course wasn't as pristine as it usually is. Yeah, like some of the some of the tee boxes were a mess. Um I'm thinking of like number two. Um, let me see. Number the back of number six, number 14. Like you just don't see it where it's just kind of brown and dead. It looked like it looks like a beauty that you that that you or I would play um on the on the weekend. That was really surprising. Like the the hill in front of or the mountain in front of uh, 13 green. It, and so like that's you're, you're, you're going to get that. Now the, the greens were still absolutely perfect. Um, the fairways were in really good shape. 
but like the rough or the second cut, I might get fined if I say the rough. Um, we have to say the second <laughs> cut for, for golf channel. Um, like it was, it was like pretty shaggy. So um, I don't know. Like I thought, I thought the misses were if you're if you're missing in the rough, it was maybe a little bit more penal than guys were used to. Like normally, you're not necessarily playing for the to, to hit it in the rough, but like during the during the April Masters, it's not a big deal at all. And now there was at least a little bit of doubt whether you're going to get a down grain lie or an into the grain lie with, with some rough that in spots was was kind of mushy and like two or three inches long. So it just made made a little bit more of a guessing game there. And um, you know, some of the tee boxes, which it obviously isn't going to affect guys like of, of this caliber. But but yeah, I think that's that's probably a fair criticism. But these guys were just were relieved just to be able to have a, a Masters this year. I don't think they. They they would have they would have played um, on a brown ugly Augusta National if if it, if it meant that someone was going to have a green jacket at the end of the week. And not to mention, you had a lot of organic matter balls that were out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah that that was a that was a big problem. Like Augusta's never going to play lift clean in place, and the way that they mow from green to tea and the way that it was a little bit soft and the fact that you're picking up mud and it's a lot of draw draw bias holes with water on the left like it was it was a little bit of a disaster um for those for those middle rounds because i mean guys are getting eight to ten mud balls around and they just couldn't they just couldn't criticize (laughs) augusta national for Right. They're not putting ball in hand, even though it, it was obviously kind of affecting what they were able to do with the golf ball. Hey, what are your thoughts on JT this week? Because this is really probably the first time he's actually really contended in the Masters. I, he's one of those guys that also notoriously struggles on the green. You'll, you'll notice that he goes into the green book a lot, and they don't have those at the Masters. But I thought this week, again, his course management, some of his decisions really kind of bit him in the butt. Yeah, I, I I think that's I think it's a fair criticism. Um, I think you know, he he said it after his round yesterday. Like he can't wait to get back in April because the way that the golf course played in November was totally different. And whatever institutional knowledge that that these guys have picked up over the past five, ten, fifteen, in Tiger's case, twenty five years, like you could you could throw it out because the golf course was just playing so differently. And the, and the fact that in all of his appearances now at Augusta National, Justin Thomas has gotten better and had a higher finish this week. He finished fourth. Um, I, I think he he's, if not the favorite, a top three favorite for Augusta National. I think he's really figured out how to play the golf course. He's made some pretty big strides with John Graham on the greens over the past couple of months. And, you know, he's he's still prone to a little bit of over-aggressiveness, which I think is probably what, what bit him this week. Um, but he... He wants one desperately, and I would I would think that he's gonna he's gonna pick up a, a Masters title here in the next two or three years for sure. Do you think Bryson is gonna come back in April and be a favorite again? Yes, I do. And you give him now two months before he plays again. He's gonna tee it up at Kapalua. He's going to figure out the forty-eight inch driver. Whether that gives him a substantial advantage over what he is already doing uh, remains to be seen. He's probably only gonna pick up about fifteen yards. Um, and I think it'll also help in April, the fact that the golf course, it, it can't play any softer. And so, you know, the, the game plan that he had established and some of the clubs that he thought he was going to be hitting into some of these par fours and par fives didn't, didn't actually come to fruition just because there wasn't enough rollout. But you give him two months to, to have a nuclear driver 
and give him uh, five months now to work on the part of his game that really needs fine-tuning, and that's his wedge play. That's the reason why he won a wink, but it wasn't because he was so much further than everybody else. I mean, Matt, Matthew Wolf on most holes, was driving past Bryson. The, the reason why Bryson won was because his wedge play was great. His uh, short game you, can, you know, didn't require a whole lot of creativity around the greens, and, and he putted as well as he, he typically does in the PGA Tour. Um, that was an area that was – was missing last week. His, his iron play was dreadful and he's complaining about his clubs and his golf ball. So I, th- I, I never, I never doubt him. He's always going to figure it out. And I think if you give him three to five months to, to dial in things, how he wants to be. Yeah. He's, he's absolutely going to be a favorite and he's going to be a, a huge storyline for the next masters as well. Yeah. I, it feels like people are overreacting to what he did this week. Maybe he got some bad breaks and that happens. I mean, it's golf. Listen, right. Like, He's going to have a bad week here and there. And feels like people are looking for ways to put him in the dumps and to say that, no, he's not going to do this. He's not going to succeed with his method. And I think that's kind of unfair to Bryson. I, I, I totally agree with you, actually. Like, he got, he got really unlucky. You figure that was a four-shot swing when, you know, a, a drivable par four. Right. He ends up taking a triple. There's, there's four shots right there. There was a trickle-down effect because – he was pissed off because the volunteer came up to him on the next team and said, here's your ball. And he made, he made bogey there because he was flustered. That carried over the next hole. So oh, you're looking at, I didn't realize at that. Four to six. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you're, so you're looking at, at four to six shots just right there on that one hole that likely affected him. And so if you, if you just want to play that game, right now he's looking at being eight or nine under par and, and basically having a top ten finish last week at the Masters. And he, he didn't feel well. He didn't feel well over the last three rounds. He said he was dizzy. He didn't have – Quite the same energy, the same focus, the same pop in his driver. I, the only thing I didn't like last week about Bryson, and I said at the time, and it ended up turning out correctly, is that experimenting the week of the Masters with your driver is not the time for that. That should yeah. have been done the week prior, and then like dance with the girl who brought you. Like you, you're you're clearly good enough. You just won the U.S. Open. You played you played fine in Vegas. You've had all this time off. Like, what are you doing on the range on Wednesday? Like, still even tinkering with this 48-inch driver that you've never used on property. You've right. never hit a shot <laughs> at Augusta National with this club. And so, like, as soon as I saw he was experimenting, I, I told all my buddies who have, like, master's office pools, like, do not pick Bryson. It's, it, was, it was outrageous to me. I think it was a miscalculation on his part. I think he just got, like, infatuated with the idea of being a – like a game changer last week and just absolutely transforming the game and turning it on its head. I think he was like infatuated with, with wanting to be that guy last week, as opposed to what's going to give me the best chance to win. And so I think he learned a valuable lesson there. He certainly got some bad breaks. He didn't play his best. He wasn't feeling his best. Um, but I, I still, I still think he's right. Like I still think Augusta national when he's hitting the ball as he should, and he has the game plan that he's establishing. I, I, I do think Augusta national is, is probably a par 67 for him. Like that's right. that's the advantage that that he's able to to have there. I think one of the big advantages is the fact that he hits the ball an absolute mile in the air and I think this week especially at least for me did away with the myth that you really need to draw the ball. I think it's really more important that you hit the ball high. Yes. Like Dustin Johnson hit hit one draw the entire week and it was on 10. And he used a three wood because yeah. he can't turn he can't turn over his driver. Like, and that's since Bryson has has transformed his game. That's one of the biggest to me bummers of not having fans this year is that golf fans can't appreciate what Bryson is doing, what it looks like, what it sounds like 
it is an absolute moonball, like for so long that under the right conditions and once he gets the thing dialed in with the spin rate that he wants, like he's just going to blow it over trees. Like dog legs don't exist. Like <laughs> it's so impressive what he's able to do. And once it, like it's, it's, it's experiencing you have to have when you're at a golf tournament is you have to go find Bryson and you have to watch him absolutely wail on a tee shot because I've never seen anything like it on the PGA Tour. I've been covering the tour now for 10 years since I got out of college. Like Dustin hitting a driver is really impressive. Rory hitting a driver, especially for someone his size, is, is really impressive. Bryson's drives are – it's a whole other level that once fans get on PGA Tour, like I think there will even be a greater appreciation for, for what he's done, especially since it's using a four-and-a-half-inch or a four-and-a-half-degree driver. Like it's just insane. In a way, I'm almost happy that he hit the ball crappy this week because he just gave us that little taster Friday night on 13 when he left himself like 120 yards in. It's like, oh, this is what really could happen in April. Like if he's dialed in, he could literally take everything out of play. Oh, it, like I, I think he hit, I think he hit nine iron on 15 yesterday. Um, like he had a, he had a sand wedge or a gap wedge on 13. Like you talked about, he's going to do some stupid things with the, with the golf course. If it's, if it's playing a little bit firmer and he's getting more run out in the fairway, like he's just, there's just no way around it. And the only way he's going to lose the masters or not be a favorite is if his iron play and his wedge play doesn't improve. If he's hitting at 350 and he's spot on with his distance control and his spin, which was, which was a really big issue last week, then like, it's over. Like everyone else is playing for second. You cannot beat Bryson when he's doing what he's doing. Like the, the fifth, the fifth hole is a perfect example. I think it was the yeah first round. He hit at three fifty and cleared the bunker. Yeah, no one was doing that. Now, what happened with his next shot? He flew it long into the back bunker and totally squandered what was an enormous advantage. But if he hits that drive under normal conditions, when that green is green, that green is impossible to hold. Um, I mean, guys were doing it with a, like a hybrid. They're hitting hybrids in that green and it was stopping right there. Like that's not going to happen in April, but if he's coming in there with the sandwich and other guys are hitting five and six irons, that's a stroke and a half difference that he's going to have on that hole. And you magnify that and multiply that off on four to seven other holes in which he having just an absolutely enormous advantage. Like, yeah, Bryson's Bryson's going to be a, a, a force at Augusta for a very long time. Obviously, the main story with Tiger's week is going to be the fact that he made a 10 on, on 12 sun, on Sunday. And but ripped off four birdies coming in. Five, actually. Was, but, oh yeah. yeah, he made five birdies. But sum up Tiger's week. Are you taking more positives or negatives from this week? I think, I think Tiger might be done. Like, I, think he's, I think he's toast. Um, there were some comments from Tiger last week that I didn't think we'd ever hear. In his, in his pre-tournament press conference, mentioning like you, he, he he mentioned like un, unprompted how he doesn't he doesn't know how many more chances he's going to have to win back the jacket, and the fact that Gary Player said on Thursday that Tiger was so emotional driving to the Champions Dinner on Tuesday night that he had to pull over because he couldn't see he was he was crying so hard. There there just seems to be a a sense that that Tiger knows that the finish line is is fast approaching and I don't think that you can see him play the way that he has this year and, and not think that this guy has like a year or two left like he is he's not been in contention at all the entire year 
like after he 76 on Sunday, he's he still has not finished inside the top 35 since February. Yeah, and he can't like, play in any event. He's, he's not he's not doing anything well. There's no aspect of his game that is sharp. He can't play that many events because his body will break down. Well, if he can't play in that many events and he can't be competitively sharp, he he doesn't have the strength in his body to be able to practice like he needs to, whether it's on the range or on the putting green, which is where he's really struggled for the last two years. There's just very few signs of optimism. Like there's so many things that have to align for him to be competitive now. Like he needs to have a good week with his back. That's not a given. It doesn't matter if it's 55 degrees or 85 degrees. Some days he's just going to wake up and it hurts and he can't move well and he's not going to play well. So that's one factor. And then you, and, and that's probably the biggest factor, but you also have to look at the competition guys who are younger, better, stronger, fitter, hit the ball higher, putt better, hit their irons closer. Like the new, the new generation is just so deep and so talented. It, it just, it just feels like we're getting really close to the end with Tiger, to be honest with you. You know, he did look great day one. Um, he played an extremely solid round. But then as with the delays and the restarts and you're being called in from darkness, you're coming out early in the morning, then you have the break. You just can't handle that. You know, no, 20, 26 holes on Saturday. There was he was he was toast. He had, he had absolutely no chance. And like he's he's probably always going to be dangerous at Augusta National. You know, he. Yes, I know this this Masters played a little bit different than it, than, it, than it always does. And so he's going to have 25 years of, of knowledge of how to play that golf course. He clearly knows how to play the golf course. But if he can't execute the shots that are required, you can have the, guess, the best game plan in the world. But if you can't actually hit it where he's looking, I, I'm, not sure it, I'm not sure it necessarily matters. Like there's just so many things that have to align. And that's what happened last year. That's what happened in the Masters in 2019. Like, Everything fell in place for him to win. Right. Whether it was being able to have threesomes in the in the final round because they had to they had to move it up, and you know being in the final group where he could intimidate Tony Finau and Francesco Molinari like that that was a big deal. And the fact that that Brooks missed a bunch of putts coming down the stretch was a big deal. The fact that four or five guys, the last four or five guys, hit in the water on twelve that was a big deal. And Xander backed up, and Cantley backed up, like. There's a lot of things that had to go his way that week. And totally. I think he's he he knows that full well. And that's why he's he's gotten so emotional about it. And that's why he's he's so appreciative that he actually had that moment because it took a lot for that masters to go his way and for him to win major number fifteen. I think at this point in Tiger's career, you really do have to get him on the right golf course and where he can think his way around, kind of plot plot it around like an Augusta, like a Royal Melbourne. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think I think the Open Championship each year is always going to be one of intrigue for Tiger just because it's not all going to be about hitting it 325 yards in the air. He needs to rely on strategy and if his body can allow precision. Like that's how those are the tests that he's going to win. He's not going to win shootouts where the winning score is 23 under par. Um, he's going to win where it's going to be a little bit or difficult conditions. He can rely on his guile and his experience and um, kind of his arsenal of shots and just keep his fingers crossed that Thursday through Sunday, his, his body allows him to do what he, what he knows that he's capable of doing. Ryan, we, we really appreciate your time for coming on. If you just had to say one or your one or two closing thoughts 
um, and takeaways from this week? Uh, certainly that I was appreciative we, that we can even have a Masters. Um, it's, the, it's the tournament I, I look forward to most. I know when we talked about extensively on this podcast how, how different it was and probably there wasn't the same energy and atmosphere without having the, the fans there, and that was certainly a bummer. But to be able to actually watch a Masters this year with so much awfulness that has just engulfed all of our lives in 2020, I thought it was a it was a great great way to end the golf year. Um, it was certainly a deserving champion in in Dustin Johnson. I mean, the world number one winning at Augusta National doesn't happen all that often, and for him to do it the way that he's playing this year and to set a record in the process, I thought um, was was a perfect capper to 2020. Absolutely, totally. Well, Ryan, we we can't thank you enough for coming on and, and giving us your time. Make sure you get back to your two year old, and uh, <laughs> we'd love to talk to you again at some point. All right, guys. I really appreciate you having me on. I hit a chili dip. It was off the. It was off the hosel. I mean, Cameron Davis is a joke. Mike, you got any yeah. takes on the e golf pro tour? You already have iron <laughs> covers. You already look like a giant <laughs> pussy. <laughs> I don't care. I honestly don't give a shit. He could be six feet under at this point, whoever WD. I didn't watch a single bit of it, but I'm going to chirp at the Fairmont St. Andrews because of the name. Paul Tesori. Paul Tesori, friend of the pod. Neiman, friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Yeah. Friend of the pod, Aunt Betsy. Terrell Haddon, are you kidding me? And there is a raccoon, no joke, like 20 feet away. Florida. Say Florida, I'm hanging. No! You can't say Florida!